Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 50. This week we're peeling back another layer of the leadership onion. In episode 49, we asked this fundamental question. What do leaders do? We explored how building trust is mission critical. And we got stellar communication strategies that do just that from Alison Shapira, leadership communication expert. This time around on the Business Impact Series, we go another layer deeper in that proverbial onion by asking this question, where does leadership start? After all, having a thorough understanding of where leadership starts is critical in the best of times. And as we all know, we are a far cry from the best of times. That means more than ever, We need a nuanced understanding of where leadership starts so we can live, love, and lead consistently at our highest level of performance. Today's guest is Steve Lashansky. Steve is a Hall of Fame executive coach, dynamic professional speaker, strategic planning facilitator, and best-selling author. He works with CEOs and C-suite executives to reach their ultimate leadership impact through better leveraging their talents, culture, and results. Steve's new book, Leadership Starts Here, gets to the heart of our question, where does leadership start? Listen and learn, how do leaders create the culture that top talent wants to be a part of? When should you choose common practice over common sense, and when should you not? And finally, how to use the 50 choices dilemma to optimize your leadership. Let's listen in now to this compelling conversation with Steve Lashansky. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Tara, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you are so welcome, Steve. You know, we've talked on, a, on several occasions now. And of course, you know, when you first start to talk to somebody, you know, you know, we both work with leaders, you know, you have a general similarity in the work you do. But I, I was, uh, as we talked more and more, and I became, um, you know, had a greater a growing awareness of a 
that kind of the, the basic orientation that we have about how leaders can really be the leaders that they want to be, how they can really um, step into who they want to be. I was so excited then about having this conversation with you because, you know, we, our philosophies just dovetail so much. And so I'm really looking forward to talking about that with you today, Steve. As I had told you, I always focus on this idea of live, love, and lead. If we keep those three things at the forefront of our minds, we kind of get overall life fulfillment that we want because we're looking at those three areas of living, of loving, and leading. And I know uh, what what your basic philosophy, and of course, you've just written a book on this as well. I know you have so much to to add into this and to really, you know, help help people understand and have so many rich takeaways from it. So I'd love to really get into that with you, especially now with so much going on for leaders in particular. I mean, I just heard a statistic of for um, November, we had a record. 4.5 million workers quit their jobs. So, uh, you know, that, that, that only compounds the labor shortage challenges that we've been dealing with. Can you tell us, Steve, you know, from your work with leaders, what is it that you are seeing and hearing um, as top concerns and and struggles, really? And then maybe we'll segue into your insights into those things. And if we can round up with um, some some takeaways for people, some possible solutions that they're trying to figure out how to best lead through all of this. Well, Tara, we've never had so much complexity in the world before, unforeseen circumstances that we're having to deal with on a longer term basis than anybody ever imagined. You said a word though in the early introduction, fulfillment. Why do so many people quit? Because for a long time, people were willing to get paid for pain. Mm. And I think more people today are looking, especially the younger generation, they want some fulfillment in their work and their unwillingness to suffer through for too much longer, I think is coming to fruition when there's so many opportunities out there. So what happens for leaders, I think, is the question is, how do you create the environment and the culture and the leadership that people want to be a part of? And if you don't have that, you're going to have serious problems in your organization. Everybody is going to be challenged right now because there's so many people willing to pay a lot more money to your top professionals. And of course, who do you lose but your best, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting that that point you bring up. Um, I have heard, you know, everybody's talking about the great resignation, but there's also an awful lot of thinking that it's really more like the great reshuffle in many ways. And then that speaks beautifully to your, your point too, because yes, there are people that are leaving the workforce, but there are also people that are just going to jobs that either offer better money or globally offer, as you said, you know, more fulfillment and everything. So absolutely. So then what do you think what um, as as leaders are are looking to retain their top talent and and also maybe even have that fulfillment in their own lives too, despite all of the complexity of today? What, uh, what, what are your insights on 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 that, you know, how to sort of think through it, how to work through it? Well, I'll tell you what, the most important question every leader needs to answer is what is most important? What's most important for my company to focus on? What's most important for me to build our culture around? What's most important for us to be doing today and this week and this month and this quarter? What's most important for me to be able to attract the best talent and retain them? 
the question of what's most important helps us focus on the objectives and the measurable outcomes that matter. But the even more important question that needs to be answered by any good leader and any great leader always has the answer, why are those the best choices of what to focus on? Because mm. too many people suffer from too many, you know, I ask for a list of priorities from some of my clients and you get a laundry list of to-dos and I'm going, okay, what are your top three priorities? And they don't know. So one of the examples I always do with every one of my CEOs, I always give them what I call the 50 choices dilemma. You got 50 things to do in a day. For many of them, that's a good day. You're going to have two choices. You get to choose one. You never touch the other. You want to do priorities one, two, and three. You never touch the other 47. We do priorities four to 50. You never touch one, two, and three. Now, everybody with half a brain knows the answer is priorities one, two, and three. That's common sense. It is not common practice. Mm, beautiful distinction there. Yeah. <laughs> common that's, sense versus common practice. I love that's that. That's the transformational point for any good leader, any great organization, any individual who really wants to have a wonderful quality of work and life is to understand what are your top three priorities? Because when you're working on number 7, 14, 32, 37, 42, and 50, it's not going to be great. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I can see going back to what we just mentioned about fulfillment. I know even sometimes that has happened to me where you have this exceedingly long to do list and you're just, you know, crossing things off. Um, they may not be related to each other. They may not be building to some larger goal, some right. larger accomplishment. And yes, it feels good to cross it off the list, but you're not getting the, the absolute wow of the, you know, like when you really stay focused on one project and can put your time into that and make real headway on that and then feel that sense of fulfillment for like, wow, I'm really stepping forward on this. I'm really making progress. Um, well, you know, the analogy, Tara, cross something off your to-do list, like taking a spoonful of sugar. It might taste good for a few seconds. You're <laughs> going to pay the price. Because my question, I had a CEO <laughs> saying, look at my to-do list. This is, these are the important things to do. And I'm going, and what are you building towards by doing any of these things? Because he said, well, somebody said you should do the easiest ones first. I'm going, and what are you creating by doing the easiest ones on a to-do list first? Mm, yeah. We started talking priorities, the one, two, three priority, all of a sudden, now he walks around with a very simple priority list. Yeah. We're focused on doing this. What are you, why are you doing that? You know, and again, yes, all of yes. a sudden you reoriented your focus. I call it the line of sight. Your line yeah. of sight is now where you're going to have impact, where you're going to make a difference instead of just crossing things off the to-do right. list. Right, because it's in it's in the line of sight. That means it's in in the target range, really. Right, so that that's great. You know what you're saying reminds me of a, a recent uh, conversation I had with a, another fellow NSA colleague of ours, uh, Jennifer Eggers. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, so she and I had a conversation, um, and at the end of it, she talked uh, she talked about ruthless prioritization, which was I I just thought the the wording of that. It just hit me like ruthless part. Wow. And I will tell you, Steve, that after that conversation with her, I went about everything with a different focus, including one Sunday I was making chicken and I was going to do it my usual way. And then I said, oh, wait a second, I can do it like this. I ruthless, ruthlessly prioritized the way that I did it. And I said, wow, 
she's really good. She's not only impacting the way I approach my business, she's got me cooking a chicken in a different way, you know? So I think it, it, it's amazing how it, and you say like being in the line of fire, when you keep that, um, that, that, uh, line of sight, I mean, you keep that goal in mind and you really are targeting in, in what you do, you can, um, really feel the results. Tara, you know, the same point happens when you start talking about what do you love? When you're in business, what do you love is accomplishing something that matters. Getting a whole day of 50 to-dos done is hardly a day that anybody's going to be satisfied, much less fulfilled by. But when you can say, these are the three most important things that if we accomplish, it will make a difference for me, for my team, for my organization, for our clients, and you can do those, that's where gratification, that's where fulfillment comes in. That's what people are looking for, probably more than anything else today. Younger folks and most of us older folks, too, are looking for really having a sense of meaning and purpose in what we do. And if what you're doing doesn't make any difference, why would it make any difference to your satisfaction about your job or your fulfillment in your life? Mm, well, Common sad. sense. You know, everybody knows the old 80-20 mm -hmm. rule. I have a new one I made up years and years ago. <laughs> you know, so mine goes like this. 80% of success is common sense less than 20% of the people are using it. So when we start talking, when we start talking, it yeah. sounds like, yeah, that's obvious. That's common sense. It's yeah. not common practice. I repeat mm. that over and over. When we can make common sense, common practice, amazing results show up. Yeah. You know, and I think that's so much of what we do as speakers too. And, and as working, uh, you know, as coaches working with leaders and stuff too, is yes, these are things that, you know, and, and they're, yeah, common sense, but when you shine the light, if you will, if you put the spotlight on it for long enough and help somebody really take it to the next level of, of appreciation so that it's not just, yeah, I know that but it's more like, oh, yes, I see why I should be incorporating that. I think that, I guess, and that's probably that, that transformation piece, right? When you go from knowing something to actually uh, Tara, appreciating let's, let's, and let's, applying. Let's stop for a second, right? And talk about one of your passions, which is sleep. Oh, Everybody yes. <laughs> knows how important it is. Everybody True. knows what a, a, a critical, critical foundation stone of everybody's capacity to have a quality of life, much less a good quality of work. Everybody knows it. Are they practicing or not? <laughs> great point, Steve. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, when, when I, when I do my assessment, we look at, you know, there are two pieces of, and one of it is sleep hygiene. And that's like, you know, setting the conditions to have a good night of sleep, you know, and even though we really know all that stuff, you know, about making sure you, you go to bed on time to give yourself enough hours of sleep and uh, setting up the bedroom so that it's not, there's no light, it's, it's the right temperature and all those, as I said, sleep hygiene things, people know them, but they're not actually doing them. And so if, you, if they can get that under their belts, then, and there's, you know, then we can take it to the next level. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. But you're right. It is, uh, it's one of those things people know, but they don't necessarily practice or when common sense becomes common practice amazing results show up 
So true. So true. So Steve, let's go. Um, and, and this is what I alluded to earlier in talking about, uh, you know, as I put it, live loving and leading, right? It's like really looking at your whole life. And I know in, in your book, um, you really get at this, um, you know, this whole life kind of um, view. Uh, can we talk about that a little bit? Some of your, your thoughts on that, because as Absolutely. you said, you, yeah, you I mean, you can have somebody and a lot of people will find fulfillment at work, let's say, but th- their home lives are awful or, you know, they're, they're just, you know, the relationships, are, you know, no friends or no social life. And, and they're, they have these pockets in, of, of, of uh, life parts, if you will, where they're putting their energy, but not necessarily getting all of the pieces to a place of real fulfillment. So yeah, right. let's talk a bit about that. So what happens is, let's talk about all the different domains of life. I mean, work is one of them, career is another. I, I don't equate them as the same. Career, to me, is what you want to be known for professionally. Work is what you're doing. Mm. But finance, relationship, family, contribution, community, um, health and well-being, these are all different domains. And the question I've always asked, my background is really as a phenomenologist, ontologist, whatever you want to call it, which is really studying what the universal principles are. My leadership program. You said you said phenomenologist, right? Ontologist, ontology, the study of what is. Ah, interesting. Okay, okay. You know, philosophy is the study of life. Ontology is the study of what is. You know, Hmm. what's the universal principles for me? And the question I've always asked is, what makes people highly effective and successful at what they're doing? So let's take leadership, for instance. What are the critical factors? that enable the leaders to be at their best. And my first question was, and it's the title of my book, where does leadership start? And it's fascinating. Every leader I've ever asked never has a good answer for it. Mm. It's really amazing. People call me up and want to do leadership training. And on my first question, if I want to be a joker, but I'm also semi-serious to make a point. Well, how do you define leadership? Again, we get silence. How can you develop something you can't define? So for me to ask the question, where does leadership start is critical, because if you don't know where it starts, how are you going to get to a place where you can make some momentum and create some real results with it? So let me give you the answer I give. Leadership starts with the decisions you make. And let's get even more fundamental than that. The decisions you make start with the decision-making process that you use. So what's your clear, compelling congruent, consistent, communicable decision-making process. Mm. Now, mostly- Is that that five C's there? That's the five C's. Five C's, yeah, okay, good, good. (laughs) And again, when you don't have a clear, consistent, congruent, compelling, communicable process, how do you expect people to follow your thinking? And if you're really a leader of a major organization, and that could start with 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000, 100,000, You know, people need to be empowered to make good decisions. If they don't understand the basis for decision-making, that'll never happen. And most leaders wonder why they're overwhelmed and they're the bottleneck where everything comes back to them because people don't know what's important to them. They don't know why it's important to them. So to me, those are the first orders of business. And where does that come from? A congruence of vision, values, mission, goals, and strategies. Yeah. You know, I, I want to step in here for a second because as, as you're talking, um, you know, it's making me think of the broader context of leadership, right? We tend to think about 
leaders in business, right? This is our business impact series. But um, I think what we should just highlight is that leadership is way beyond business. It's, it's any aspect of life, whether it's a, a community setting, whether it's family, all of those Absolutely. sorts of things, right? And Absolutely, Tara, you're making a very important point. Every yeah. one of us has to lead our own life. Every one of us who's a parent has a leadership role in your family. Every one of us who lives in a community needs to, and leadership doesn't mean I'm in charge. Leadership means I'm responsible for promoting the well-being of this entity I'm a part of, whether it's me personally, my family, my community, my country, mm, whatever it is, that, or my organization. Yeah, I've never heard, say that again, how you, I loved uh, the phrasing of that, but leadership. Well, leadership, is, you're responsible for whatever you're a part of, the well-being and best interest of whatever you're a part of. It doesn't mean you have to be in charge. Yeah. You could be a, you know, a director or a manager and not the CEO. And your leadership capability to make a difference in your organization is still there. Leadership is a human capacity. It's a human trait. It has nothing to do with a role or position. Although the problem is many people in the role or position don't have the skill and the understanding and the principles and the practices. Yeah. Wow. So I love that broad view uh, of it. It's, uh, you know, like you said, looking uh, for the um, being responsible for the well-being of the organization, whatever organization that is. Uh, and the more we can take that responsibility uh, to heart and build our skills in, 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 in that leadership, the more we can, I guess, improve any than uh, organization, uh, right? Because if Absolutely. it's just starting with the family, just as a as a parent, the more you instill that um, in your kids, the more well, they then go. Let's talk about on. what you have to instill, Tara. Because what's the most fundamental thing to instill? It's your values. Hmm. What's most important for a quality of life, for quality of making a contribution in the world? The next thing is, what's your ultimate purpose and mission? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you here? I mean, you've got a passion for sleep and leadership. You know, why is that important? Because it drives you. But to understand and to create that, you know, I always laugh when people say, I'm looking for my purpose. You declare your purpose, mm -hmm. but your purpose is built on a foundation of who you are and what you value. Mm -hmm. Those are fundamental in order to have a clarity of purpose. Mm -hmm. And then your ability to say, and my mission based on this purpose for me, purpose is the global 360. Why are we here as humans? Why are we here as part of an organization? Our mission is sort of why are we focused here and making these decisions as what to focus on and do. Mm. We understand who we are. It's easy to figure out what to think about doing, but that's it. It's being, thinking, doing is the process. Yeah. Most people never figure out what they want to be. Yeah. Well, I heard a comedian one time, Steve, that I, I love, I watch uh, stand up all the time. Uh, and he said, do you know why adults ask kids all the time? What do you want to be when you grow up? He said, the reason they're asking kids is they're trying to look for ideas. <laughs> That's it. That's great. Try to, still trying to figure it out. Well, let me ask you this. Well, hold on a second. You know, Tara, just to say something about that. When we yeah. say to kids, what do you want to be? Most of the time, most people mean, what do you want to do? And the real question is, what do you want to be? A happy contributor to the well-being of the planet, a meaningful part of a family and community. That's what you want to be. That's not what you want to do. 
you're going to do something consistent with what you want to be if you're clear about what you want to be. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, and, and just to sidestep for a second, you know, if we think about uh, all of the, the well-known uh, clashes, if you will, between uh, generational clashes, clashes, right, where, you know, the, the, the Gen Xers, uh, the boomers, and the, the uh, millennials, and they're all over each other. And, and I think that to my understanding, it comes uh, to a large degree from that idea that you're just explaining, right? There's a, each generation has a different expectation on what you should be, how you should do it, what you should be looking for really. And so, you know, should we be deriding another group because theirs is inconsistent with ours and, or, you know what I mean? It's like, I think we need to reach a, a better place of, um, you know, certainly understanding if possible, but if not, at least acceptance of, uh, you know, the, the differences in, in, in the way in generational views of, of things like that and generational, um, I guess, expectations. I well, mean, sorry, if you look at history, you understand what goes on. Each generation looks at the generation in front of them and goes, Boy, did they miss this. You know, the boomers <laughs> yeah. looked at their, you know, generation, what they call the greatest generation, because they were willing to go to war, for God's sakes, and go through it. We're not going to sacrifice ourselves for nothing. We want fulfillment. Then mm. the Gen X looks and goes, fulfillment. What about the taking care of the planet and the place you live instead of just your own best interest? Then the millennials look at that and go, you guys are just on these rants about things. What about us? What are we going to get? You know, what are we going to do for ourselves that would also be good for the planet? So each generation looks at the generation in front of them and says, I see some really important stuff missing. And again, it becomes a, a point of contention instead of an opportunity for collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, I think we would all do well if we could figure out a way to get past that contention and, and collaborate more, right? <laughs> so so if we shift to that, Steve, um, you know, you've talked about a lot of really compelling things here today. Um, if we want to get concrete and think about people who are leading now through these really challenging times who may have the intergenerational stuff on top of everything else that's going on currently. What do you think are some really key takeaways for people to, to really start getting to that point of leadership that um, they really can get to? What, what would you say are the top co uh, couple of things that- Well, let's start with number one. Number one is to understand what do you value in your role as a leader? What is your organization value? Because your values are at the heart of your evaluation about what you're going to focus on and do. And if you don't have a clarity of values, uh, what I call sort of a, a true north to orient your decisions around, everything just comes up, well, we need to make a decision on this right now. So we make a decision that's dumb and not a foresightful one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Without any sort of uh, context. No foundation. Or, yes, exactly. And it, it, no it foundation. Because the values tell you why you're going to make the decision because we value um, creativity. We value taking risk. We value connection to our clients. It's going to tell you how to act. Yeah. If you don't have a clear set of values that everybody understands and coordinates around, you don't have a cohesive culture. Yeah. You know, that's interesting too. I'm just thinking of, of uh, when, when I have uh, 
when I have encountered people who have a tremendous difficulty making decisions, it probably, in hindsight now, I'm thinking, I can see how it would be related to that. Like if you haven't clearly defined what's important, what's valuable for you, uh, it's going to be hard to to cut away the other choices because maybe everything looks good, <laughs> right? Well, but but that's know, what a decision is, Tara. You know, all, exactly. If we look at the Latin, decision, right? The you know, it literally means cut life. away. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you want to decide in the interest of what matters most. Yeah. So again, it's like when you ask the question, what's most important for us to do, for us to be, you know, the question comes down to what do we value most? The second thing I would really get really clear with people is what's your ultimate mission as an organization? If you're a leader and you don't have a clarity of values and mission, you don't have a cohesive, well-aligned organization, and you're dissipating and wasting time, energy, resources, and most of all, human potential. Mm. You want to maximize those time, resources, finances, and human potential. You better know how to focus it. Yeah, what's most important and why you're doing what you're doing. Everything flows from that. A bunch of strategies will never end up adding up to a mission or vision, mm -hmm. but a vision and mission makes your strategies and your objectives crystal clear and simple to really define. And so I'm, I'm going to guess that the answer is yes, but let me just make sure um, when people, I know anytime I've done value um, kind of work and, and you know, like defining it and mission and really sitting it down and really putting the energy into that um, it's time consuming and, 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 you know, having a structure helps. Um, if people do want to start getting, uh, get going on that kind of work, it, does your book uh, help with it's that not the process strategic alignment process you know most people go through strategic planning which we always laugh at and call usually neither good strategy nor good planning but the strategic alignment process is built around aligning your vision mission goals and strategies the underlying identity who we are as a company what we value what we believe is possible and what kind of rules we set so when you have a, an alignment of your identity values and beliefs and your vision, mission, and goals, the power and acceleration and elevation of possibilities that exist there. And I want to I'm going to offer you a contrary view on values and mission. It's very simple if you're dealing with the fundamental foundations that drive those. We do all of that in one day with client groups. We've had as many as 62 in the room in one day. Hmm. We get clarity about vision, mission, goals, and strategies that align. Because of your process going after the, process. the fundamental of making it very fundamental. One of my ways. axioms that I created is clarity of outcome. We want vision, mission, goals, and strategies and quality of process, which is critical to the point too, mm -hmm. is what delivers your best results. Clarity of outcome and quality of process delivers the best results. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have a clear process. They know what they want, but they don't have a process, which is what makes it time consuming and difficult. So you solve that problem with leadership starts here. We explain yeah. the process. So it's like basically a roadmap to getting to that, that point is. where they, they may have defined the end point, but they don't have a, a defined way to get there. And that's what your process is really. And now they have the process that if they follow it, it's impeccable. What happens? It's astounding. We've done it all over the world. As we wind up here, uh, now that we've gotten some solid recommendations for people, uh, I'd like to conclude with two questions. The first one is, 
given everything that you know and every you know all the work you've done, all the, the thinking you've put into this, everything you've defined, what would you put on a billboard? And remember this about a billboard. It's a relatively small piece of real estate and people go by pretty quickly. So what would your message be to people? In bold letters would be, what is most important is what is most important. Mm, what is most important is what always is important. what is most important. If you don't know what's yeah. most important, you're going to be wandering all over the place. Wow. Very, uh, very philosophical for sure, but very um, critical. Practical. As well. practical, practical. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got to, you got to think about it and then you got to take it in. Beautiful. All right. And then last question for you, um, Steve, where would people um, connect with you or, or get, uh, get, find your book also? Well, there's two places. One is at the website, optimizeintl.com, optimizeintl.com. The company's name is Optimize International. If you want to find the book, you can just go to leadershipstartsherebook.com, leadershipstartsherebook.com. Com, and that'll take you right to a link to get the book. Excellent. Well, excuse me. I will put both of those links in the show notes so people can easily access them. And we'll see about getting that billboard up there too, because it's a great one, Steve. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you, Tara. And best of luck and have a wonderful year, everybody. Thank you. You too. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.